We are live, episode 57, Lost in the Shuffle. It is the MLB trade deadline episode. It's me, Peter, from Sheffield Shuffler, and we got my buddy, John Laloja. We are here streaming from the Sheffield Shuffler Twitter and the Playmaker Betting Twitter. John, what's up, man? What's going on, man? Dude, this is uh, this is big time. Yeah, we, we got a new audience. We got uh, the Playmaker betting audience. So um, we are going to be streaming on this moving forward. My account, we can put your account, uh, Playmaker betting. So it's great stuff. I'm very excited. You got a new, uh, you got a new studio too. You got a new house, new studio. We did. Yes. Uh, we're, we're, you know, we're leveling up, you know, playmaker, uh, has, you know, very strong demands about, you know, you having a stellar office and, uh, you know, we went through like 50 episodes, but I finally got one. So yeah, my, my wife and my one-year-old son, you know, doing dad stuff, got a house in the suburbs, left the city of Chicago. So we're in the burbs. Um, which is definitely more boring. However, I am appreciative that I got an office back, which I used to have when my son took it over. So set it up finally in uh, in my new office. Haven't fully set up everything, like hung everything, but in sure. a good in a good spot. So I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good as opposed to working from the corner of our bedroom. Well, I'm sure it's hard to get shit done today when it's been um, craziness going on. First, and obviously, it's the, it's the deadline today. Deadline ended an hour and 42 minutes ago. But before uh, before we get into deadline stuff, you sure. went to the Major League Baseball Home Run Derby and All-Star Game, correct, in Los Angeles? I, I did. I was there in Dude, person. First of all, that's incredible. Second of all, like thank I, you, Playmaker. I've, I've, thank you to Playmaker. I've seen your content, obviously, but that's not what I want to talk about because everyone saw your content. I want to talk about your experience there. So, talk to me about your your going to LAX, which is an experience, and, and navigating that parking lot at Dodger Stadium, which I lived in LA for two years, and it's insane. It's crazy. Um, I was there for the NLCS games one and two in 2017 for Cubs Dodgers. Um, Justin Turner hit a walk-off home run off of John Lackey in game two. No joke. It took us two and a half hours to get out of the parking lot. It's the biggest is, parking lot I've seen in my life. It's huge. Well, it's because everybody drives in LA. There is no one takes public transportation um, except people who are insane, which I took it a couple times. Big mistake. Do not do that. Yeah. Um, I'd advise you to Uber or if you have a car, definitely do that. So walk me through, uh, you get, you get into LAX when walk me through what happened and your experience. So first thing, um, I don't call an Uber because I don't know where I'm going to get picked up at. So I don't even go that route. I, okay. you know, I say, screw it. So I follow the crowd, go outside, get into a taxi line, get into the taxi line, wait my turn. Easy enough. Give him my hotel, right? It seemed like a young guy. I was like, can I sit up front with you? I usually sit up front if they're like, you know, I want to get some information. Don't know this stuff. So we sit up front. It's probably a 25-minute drive. Had no idea how close that airport is to Inglewood. Know nothing about California, but I know Inglewood, not a good area. And uh, so we, we drive. We know that from the rap song, Compton, Long Beach, Inglewood. Yes, or the uh, one of the best trilogies in California. Uh, cinema friday um friday rancho cucamonga right rancho cucamonga inglewood yes so i get in there i get the down low like hey where am i at these areas like what my avoid here is like yeah you don't want to hang out around here some people get an uber or a taxi from the airport to their hotel down the street because it's that shady um, then we get to downtown LA, which is uh, the shithole of uh, America. Honestly, I refuse to let anybody talk about how great LA is proper LA proper. Not talking LA about the is beach. great. Uh, Hollywood's awesome, but downtown LA, it's different than downtown Chicago. Downtown LA smells like hot piss. I said That's it's literally what it smells like. The equivalent of Gotham city, Gotham city. If Batman never came. That's what it was like. Every street corner, there's shady, shifty characters hanging out. You see some of the weirdest shit 
um, going on from people in the streets and everyone acts like it's completely normal, which is even more strange. Uh, go to a Starbucks. I'm trying to do some work, you know, get on a phone call and the woman walks in screaming on the top of her lungs. Uh, nobody does anything. Everyone just kind of sits there, which ipso facto makes me believes my, you know, makes me believe I was correct in saying West coast people soft East coast people a lot harder than them because they just sit there and act and they're just like, Oh, please don't say anything. If you're on the East coast, you're in New York or Jersey or someone, someone would be like, Oh, shut your fucking mouth. You know, someone would say something, but on the West coast in LA, everyone oh, doesn't do that kind of stuff. So yeah, weird little downtown area. will won't, won't be like, uh, around there again. I'm sure that the, the surrounding areas are great though. But that's just, you know, that was, I was there for like five minutes. Then I walked to John, the, um, the draft day. So it was like a Friday, right? Mm-hmm. The draft was Friday or was Saturday. One of the days, something like that or Sunday. And maybe it was Sunday because the, the thing was Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. So it was Sunday. Draft day was Sunday. Sunday. A home run derby was Monday. Also yeah. Tuesday. So the draft day, so cool, John. They set up um, by like the convention center. I saw and, you there. The convention center is yeah. sweet. I've been there. So cool. It's The convention center um, was very cool. And that was like in the back, but they had a whole street. It was like a street fest, you know, lined up with the barricades mm-hmm. and all everything was like set up and they had the stage and they had um, events. They had little tents. We saw like uh, uh, Carabas and um, um, Steve. He, uh, when the Dallas Braden wasn't there, but, uh, the guy that I had on, uh, on this podcast, um, Steve, uh, Stevie Bukes, Steve Buchanan, he's on MLB network. Mm-hmm. He was there. They were kind of just like commentating the Yankees Red Sox game, which was really cool. Um, a lot of, you know, like beer tents and stuff like that. So they did a very good job, uh, like promoting everything kind of, there was like music playing. It was really, really fun. Um, that was a really cool experience. And then got to see the draft, talk to Marlins man for a while. Marlins man was out there. Isn't he a lawyer? He is. That's what I heard. Um, con- how, does confirmed. He, how does he make his money? I I feel like I watched an HBO Real Sports on him, but I I I thought one he's a lo- I thought he was a lawyer, and then two, I'm just confused as how that guy like makes a living just going to different stadiums wearing his Marlins jersey. Um, I mean, I don't know how litigation works or lawyer. Uh, well, what's his stuff? deal? He's just trying to promote the Marlins. Um, his, I think he's just agenda? like a public figure, like a public right. figure. He wants right. to be a, a, affiliated with a team, and he got really butthurt when Derek Jeter and the Marlins didn't invite him to like fanfare night or day, whatever There's it was. 30 teams. Why did he pick the worst team to affiliate himself with? There's plenty I mean, of other teams he could have done. No other team has a bright orange jersey. Maybe that's sure. why. Okay. Um, so it was awesome. It was electric. Home run derby, high energy. Julio Rodriguez was Dude, incredible. He's awesome. He put on a show. Oh my it was God. Such a shame that he didn't win it because he put on an absolute show. I was definitely rooting for him. I mean, the, like his him and Soto's age, like when you just think about it, it's ridiculous. Also, to think that Soto was twenty in twenty nineteen when he helped the Nationals win the World Series, like right. that's ridiculous. Hitting mm-hmm. in the middle, like the prime hitter in that lineup, and he's twenty. It's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and then he went on to win. Uh, the turn or, you know, the Derby and then all-star game was sick. He also Everything, won today too. He won the trade deadline. He did. Everything um, was incredibly Everything expensive. Everything's coming burn. up. Then, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was a great trip. Um, and then I'm actually leaving for Miami on Thursday. Really? Um, yeah. So I'm going to go to Miami, going to go to playmaker headquarters, going to go meet some of the team. We're going to get Queen. some work done. We're going to get some skits. Um, I believe they might have a studio. So me and my guy, James, I think we're going to do some skits. We got some uh, content planned out and then uh, hopefully have some fun later at night. I know the Marlins aren't in town, but um, I don't know. So, you know, get like a nice little work trip. Sweet, dude. That's awesome. Hit up Marlins, man, while you're down there. I know. I got some videos with them, which were uh, so fun. Sweet. But John, the big news that happened today, obviously, is the trade deadline. So how would you rank today, John, in regards to past trade deadlines? This one's got to be up there, right? Yeah, this one, this was the, especially for a trade deadline that a lot of people were saying it's going to be pretty boring and nothing's really going to happen. Like, it was the complete opposite. Like, a ton of stuff happened. And not only that, like, huge huge names. Um, so obviously Juan Soto 
goes to the Padres. Juan Soto and Josh Bell go to the Padres. Uh, Tim Kirkshin on ESPN said it was like one of the biggest trades in like MLB history. Like it was just a monumental, huge shift in trade. Um, and the Padres this year, as opposed to the last couple of years, feel very kind of under the radar or dormant. I feel like everyone has been asleep on San Diego and in general when Tatis went down. I feel like Tatis Jr. went down and everyone completely tuned out and lost, I feel like, a lot of interest in the Padres. And now in the last, you know, in the last six to eight hours, it's completely back because I feel the you know, AJ Preller is banking on like, hey, we're gonna get Tatis Jr. back. And when we do, we're gonna really be able to compete. So it's it's a massive, massive move to get Juan Soto. People are calling like the next Ted Williams. Like he is unbelievably talented and such a disciplined and professional hitter at age 23. Um, and not only that, they get Josh Bell, who's a really good first baseman. Brandon Jury, and by the way, Josh Hader, who, aside from two poor back-to-back outings with the Brewers, has been incredible this year and arguably the best closer in the last four or five years, like unhittable. I don't know what Craig Council is going to do. His whole managerial strategy for Milwaukee is just getting a one-run lead and then putting him in the game. So it's going to be really interesting to see. Manny Machado. Yeah. So that lineup I texted you earlier is insane. Cronenworth, Machado, uh, Soto. Um, it should be noted, Eric Hosmer um, almost didn't let this happen, and then they basically said, we're going to push this trade through no matter what because I guess he had Washington on uh, a no-trade clause. No clause. He's like, I'm not going to play Washington. So, uh, so John, can we touch yeah. on that real quick, and then we can keep going? Cool. Imagine you tell your your job, uh, hey, um, I can't work on Saturdays because you know I have to go pick my kid up. Like like we have our schedule. Hey, Pete, I can't record at X time because I have to go pick my kid up, whatever. And then I call you today, John. John, we're recording o'clock in the afternoon. You're like, I told you I can't do that. So I heard um, that he actually is his wife is expecting a child pretty soon too, and he's like one of the teams that he didn't want to do was yeah move his family across the country to um washington or virginia or wherever the fuck it is yeah um, but he goes to the red sox but he does it, that is correct but i mean that's his his choice for whatever reason you could say imagine that your job like I, I can't work fridays okay fine and then they just go ahead and tell you oh you're scheduled for friday no dude i told you i'm not so i'm on i'm in his side he actually has he has that right to turn that shit down so i think that's funny i think yeah for sure but also like these people, they're not real people. They're not like us. I mean, you know, I was, I was reading on Twitter. So San Diego will be paying down a significant portion of the $44 million or so remaining of Eric Hosmer's contract. So, you know, Machado makes, got a $300 million deal. Like these people, this isn't real. You know what I mean? So like of the ridiculous amount of money that these people make, of course they can make demands of be like, I don't want to do that. And I'm not going here. Of course. Like, they're not real people. They're, you know, they're multimillionaires and basic rules that apply to regular people like you and I don't apply to them. We're uh, regular. Unfortunately, dude, we are so regular Two two white dudes doing a podcast. Yeah. Wait, there's <laughs> more of us. Basic, this is about as basic as you can get in 2022. You're saying there's more than two white guys who have a podcast. I mean, we have the best one, obviously, but something tells me a few other you know, a few other dudes are, uh, you know, recapping the trade deadline. Now, obviously, not as well as us, and certainly not for Playmaker. Shut up. Yeah, they're not backed by Playmaker. Um, John, I think one of the brilliant things, too, also in this trade, Juan Soto controlled for two years after this season as That's well. Huge. So he doesn't become an unrestricted free agent until 2025. So you don't have to do anything. They acquired him, and now they have him for the rest of this season and two more seasons following that. So that window has been created, right? That window of winning, you would say, has been created. doesn't say we have to sign him to a large contract after that, but for these next three years, the rest of this one and two seasons, we have him. We have, you know, they got Hater. Like we have that, that whole team. 
So that window has been created in my eyes, and that's what they're going after. If San, Here's the thing. If San Diego doesn't win, if they cannot win, if they can't get over the Dodgers, which, by the way, have the best record in baseball, like they're yeah. just incredible, and they're getting all of their pitching back real soon, um, who are just going to be amazing. You know, this is not on the front office and A.J. Preller. Like, that dude has been making moves like a boss. Like, literally. Like, no one has been more aggressive and within their window has been aggressive and has made the necessary moves to try to win. The owner's aggressive. AJ Preller's aggressive and you have to give him credit for that. And if they don't win, that's not on the front office. That's on the players. Frankly, um, you look in Chicago, Chicago had, has a very talented team. They have a manager who's asleep at the wheel, literally. Um, so (laughs) it's, uh, but they've made no moves. They've made absolutely no, Aggressive moves to compete with the Twins, um, and, and they need to. to. And, and you're and supposed to be to. the best team in that division. And this right? is their and, window. Like the Padres' right. window is now. They're AJ Preller is making the most of it. The the White Sox window is now, and they're doing the opposite. They're making no moves, and they have a manager who is literally falling asleep as the game is going on in the bottom that, of the first inning. Was that not a pitiful picture? Right, you are a team who who strikes scuffling or, you know, doing terrible in your division. What are they third in the division? Um, yes. Not far behind, got, not far behind Cleveland and uh, Minnesota. So you're third in your division. You were a favorite coming into the season. You have a manager who is falling asleep in the bottom of the first inning, caught on TV, dozing off. It was just a pitiful sight. Like, man, you guys are in bad shape. And then, like you said, making no moves today, no moves to help your team getting, you know, not doing anything aggressive to get better within the division either. And you saw what happened with Minnesota too. T- Tyler Male and a Jorge, um, what's his name? Um, they got two arms. Who you talking, wait, who are you talking about? Uh, the twins. Uh, oh. uh, Jorge Lopez, right? Jorge Lopez. Jorge Lopez and Tyler Male both go. So now, now the team that you're competing with just got better and you haven't done shit. Yeah, of, of course. Um, I think the White Sox are giving up. I think they, their owner wants this, this manager and he's not a good culture fit. He's he, not that, not that old is, is, is a bad thing, but he doesn't know the rules. He's falling asleep during games. <laughs> yeah. Like how many signs do you need to give? you know, do you need to have to be like, Hey, this isn't working out. Not he's, he's underperforming. Everyone doesn't like him. The players don't like him. The media doesn't like him. The broadcasters don't like him. Uh, he's made so many questionable moves, not knowing the rules, not being a good culture fit, taking a young, diverse, fun team and getting an old crotchety manager who's, has several DUIs and isn't the best, the best, you know, leader for that team and trying to write the ship. It hasn't worked out. And now he's falling asleep during games. And if he won't be let go now, it's never, never going to happen. I mean, no. he literally fell asleep on the job. He's underperforming and nobody likes him, mm-hmm. but the owner, the one person that matters is the owner who does like him and made the executive decision to put him in that seat. And it sucks. White Sox fans. I mean, you know, I'm in Chicago. They feel like they're being held hostage by this guy who's just constantly ruining a golden opportunity that they have with so many great and talented players, which is unfortunate. Yeah. And they, they acquired some arms earlier um, before this, like when they got Joe Kelly, uh, they got Craig Kimbrell from the Cubs. Like, you feel like, hey, we are we're stacking up some arms over here. We have a lot of young bats, and um, nothing's really panning out over there. Um, yeah, it's a bummer, man. But speaking of arms, uh, looks like the NL East has stacked up some arms as well. So obviously, in my opinion, I think relief pitching is your biggest asset going into the postseason. You can't have enough uh, relief arms. But a couple moves I saw today in the NL East 
which I think is going to be one of the most exciting races. Uh, Phillies made some big moves. Big time. Rossiello Iglesias from the Angels goes to the Braves. Braves stacking more arms who already have a brilliant bullpen. Michael yeah. Givens coming from the Cubs to the Mets. Mets, um, you know, with Edwin Diaz. Now you got Michael Givens in there. David Robertson from the Cubs goes to Huge. the Phillies. Huge. So, yeah, that's a great arm. So that NL East bolstering their uh, relief relief pitchers. And um, the Phillies well. get Syndergaard, right? The Phillies did get Syndergaard. So I think those implications are, because um, what I'm thinking, I mean, I mean, obviously we know the Mets are the better team right now. Philly's kind of on that and the borderline, but they had a falling out. Syndergaard and the Mets. Remember when he left the Mets to go to the Angels and yep. he's like, well, blah, blah, blah. He's talking a lot of shit. Now he comes back within the division to a rival like the Phillies. So I'm excited to see him, you know, like, I'm going to fucking haunt you this postseason. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, of course. It's going to be close. Out of, yeah. Getting out of Anaheim, which sucks. Mm-hmm. Like, God, I, I bet he was like, please get me out of here. Like, it's like, I feel like Anaheim's purgatory. You're just like, it's not great, but it's not bad, but nothing's happening. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Um. So, yes, NL East made some some moves here. There were some Joey, players that... Joey Gallo to the Dodgers, which... Oh, my Yan- gosh. Yankee fans are like... It's like Christmas. Like, go on Yankees Twitter. Yeah. But just for, you know, if, if anyone doesn't know, uh, the Yankees fans hate, and I mean hate, Joey Gallo. If it's the they have one every right they, to. They want... Yeah. It was the one thing they wanted... Um, that they wanted at the trade deadline was him to be moved and he was moved to the Dodgers and Yankee fans literally are like throwing a massive party on Twitter and they couldn't be happier um, because they have such disdain for Joey Gallo who uh, has been terrible, has been absolutely terrible for them. So one, you know, it's interesting. One theory I saw on Yankees Twitter was obviously they don't like him, but because it's such a short porch in right field, uh, at Yankee Stadium, that it's kind of psyching him out. Like, be like, it's right there for you, and he's just pressing, and he's not doing well. And so the theory is, if he gets a change of scenery to a different ballpark, um, he, you know, might turn him around. But that was kind of um, the, the theory of why. Also, it could be because he sucks. I mean, that's another viable option. I saw somebody arguing. Um, it was like one of those old fucking crotchety um, columnists. Um, and he, they were saying, so is Joey Gallo, uh, does, he needs a change of scenery. Is he going to be able to thrive in uh, in uh, L.A.? And he was like, yes, yeah, he's going to thrive in L.A. All he needed was a change of scenery. And so so what? So now, I mean, I understand that there's definitely, that's definitely a true thing. But what do you see in Joey Gallo that says he got a new scenery by going by going to the Yankees? What's going to change if he, if he's going to LA? Because what he hits lower in the lineup, maybe, and starts seeing what a little better pitch. I mean, what makes you believe that? I I'm with you. Baseball's weird. Sometimes someone sucks, and then they go to a different team. I mean, it is a real thing. We've seen it several times. Sometimes someone isn't good, and then they go to another team in a different city on a different team, and they are better for no for no reason. It. The re- I think they're saying that because that is a real thing. We've seen that in the past with people that have like, they get off the scrap heap. You're like, that guy sucks. Then they have a miraculous, like Steve Pierce a few years ago for the mm-hmm. Red Sox. You're like, who the fuck is this guy? And he's just like hitting home runs. You're like, what? Like, why? Like, why was this happening? John. I mean, Patrick wisdom for the Cardinals, like for the they're Cubs. probably watching him now and be like, wow, he sucked with us. Like now he's hitting home runs all the time with the Cubs. Like Joey Gallo, Joey Gallo has 37 hits this season and 106 strikeouts. Yeah. So more strikeouts. I mean, he almost has that every year too, which is right. But I terrible. mean, but they're hoping, I mean, you look at his time in Texas. It's like, okay, this guy's going to strike out a ton, walk and hit home runs. Like, and we'll take it as long as he's hitting home runs, but he's not. And then you take a guy like Mark, Matt Carpenter, who they got from the Cardinals, um, who people thought he was done and he's, killing it he's been incredible yeah. he's on my i picked him up on a fantasy team he's awesome he plays like four positions um according to fantasy which is very uh versatile but he's been incredible and talk about really using the short porch to his advantage he's got a pull uppercut swing and they're just like dude just keep swinging for the fences and that's what he's doing and he's killing it 
Yeah. And I a just, sweet mustache, dude. Probably oh, the best mustache it. on the team. It's a it's a fireman mustache through and it's, through. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. That is a great mustache. It wouldn't be porn star. It's not a porn star stash. It is strictly fireman stash. It's got the depth. It's got the width. Perfect for a fireman stash. And it's also because like he has no batting gloves. He's just got the, the navy tape. Just awesome. So Instead. cool. And, and he's got the Mario and Luigi look with him mm-hmm. and uh, Nestor. Something that should be noted, another move. Uh, Cardinals acquired left-handed pitcher Jordan Montgomery um, from the Yankees in exchange for Bader. So yes. Bader goes to the Center Yankees field. and Montgomery goes to the Cardinals. So that is a trade that helps. It is so helpful for both teams. Like Aaron Hicks is a liability in the outfield. You can move – you know, Judge can play center, but you can put Judge in right. You put and Bader that's there. there. There's so an many advantage other for Judge as well. You yes. don't want Judge playing center every day. 100%, so now he because can... then you have to have Carpenter playing right. And if you've seen Carpenter play right field, like he has no arm. I mean, yeah. it's so so bad. You really just want him to DH if you can or play first. So it it covers that issue that they had in center field. So now you got Harrison Bader, who's a great defensive center fielder. And, and can uh, fly. Gives them a lot more speed, which they the don't really path. have a ton. They don't have Absolutely. a ton of speed. So that is such a huge... Dude, you talk about like who won the trade that, like the trade deadline. Like Yankees and then Padres. Like I, Collectively, what the Yankees got and what they got rid of um, is well, pretty impressive. That's interesting, too, because you say um, Jordan Montgomery left the Yankees to go to the Cardinals. Jordan Montgomery probably doesn't make the postseason roster as a starter. You know what I mean? He's not starting in the postseason. Well, they're so, so stacked, no, and they have so many good pitchers. You, you, that's I mean, what possible. I'm saying. Yeah. So he doesn't even make the roster. Now he goes to a team like the Cardinals who are going to rely on him. They're going to rely time. on him. They also got Quintana, too. So then they got two lefty pitchers that they stacked up for postseason run. Two lefty pitchers, which is huge. So they got Quintana and Jordan Montgomery, who probably doesn't make the roster in New York. And now he's going to play a big part in that, which I think is pretty cool. Definitely. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, How about schmucks who didn't make any moves? Uh, Chicago Cubs, these guys. Um, Wilson Contreras thought he was going to be a premier piece. Obviously, Juan Soto was the big name. But as far as there was a lot of teams looking for catcher help we talked about it we well you talked about, about the, it you thought he was going to go to the astros astros the and he Rays didn't. they got christian ha- they got christian vasquez which how did you see that interview when he was caught yeah. in the mid- i felt so bad for him man i mean i mean you know f- you feel bad enough for a, a multi-millionaire but like you're playing against a team you're coming out of batting practice and everyone starts swarming you and you they tell you you know it's like if your friend you know, told you like, Hey man, your girlfriend's cheating on you. How do you feel? And you're like, uh, what? <laughs> yeah. Know? But you're being He's filmed. Like, so it's like, in right. real time, you're like, <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, you know, but like he, he kind of knew this was so going to happen. Hard. So you could totally embrace it, you know, brace yourself for it. But the fact that it's caught in real time on camera, like there's no hiding those emotions in the moment. Um, and yeah, he was caught so it. off guard. Sure. You know, it was like, Hard for it to come out of his mouth. He's like, well, he, he had been he had been with them for a long it's time. I mean, business. how many years yeah. was he with Boston? Many, quite a quite a few. Yeah, but Houston's awesome. They're great. So, how so. dumb is this, John? How dumb is it? Um, like we said, we're talking about Contreras. There's a lot of teams who needed catcher's help. So now you're the Cubs, and you don't move him. You don't move him, and you don't move Hap. Okay, I'm okay with Ian Hap because then he comes back next season as uh as you know a starter in the outfield. Fine. Wilson Contreras, what are you doing with him? Now you have to offer him a qualifying offer, right? Or else you get a, what is it, a compensatory pick that he's attached to? uh, You know what I'm talking about? What's it called? Compensatory pick? Is that what it is? Or qualifying offer? What are you talking about? From a qualifying offer, uh, there's a pick that's attached to it. So um, I'm trying to find this fucking name here. Qualifying offer... He's going to be a pain in the ass to negotiate with. I Why? feel like. I feel like Jed's not going to want to pay him what he wants. I feel like he'd be much more apt to pay Ian Hap than he would Contreras. I think Contreras is going to want a lot of money, and I don't think the Cubs are going to give it to him. I think I think Hap will want a decent amount of money, and I think the Cubs will give it to him because um, he's showing he's show he's gotten better every year. He's showing steadily, you know, he's steadily improved and. 
and he's getting a little better that high fastball, even though sometimes he still gets out on it. But um, I don't think I think Contreras is going to want massive money, Draft and I don't think the Cubs are going to give it to him. That's what it called. So if it's going to be a pain in the ass, why don't you move him? The offers couldn't have been that bad. John, you hear that audio? It's exploding. I think your mic un- came out. Yeah, it was super loud. No. Try it again. It's super scratchy. It's live television, people. I'll just take it off mute. I think you just got to take it, take it off mute. We good? Yes. Did you not hear that? No. Holy shit. That was loud. It scared the shit out of me. It was like, sorry about that. That's okay. Anyway, but yeah. So what's the point of keeping him then? If, if you're not, Going to give him a qualifying offer. He probably doesn't take it. And then he's going to walk, what, away for nothing? I don't think they care. I mean, they're, they're so You have not to ready. care. That's a huge piece. You get nothing for him then. I don't think I don't think they I don't think they think he's going to be a part of the next wave, uh, the next run. I don't think he's going to be. A, I don't think they think he's going to be a part of that. Yeah. I think they still view him as the old guard. They're not even remotely able to contend right now with the Brewers, certainly no. not the Cardinals. So I mean, they load, they unloaded all their best players from 2016 last year. Um, they got rid of Scott Efros, came to, to the Yankees, I believe. Um, yeah. So they just like, they're like, whatever. Like we're rebuilding. We want prospects, and I think, I think they tried to move him, and I, and I just think they didn't get the prospects that they wanted. And they're like, "Full, forget it. Then we're not, we're not, you know, we're not doing it." Yeah. Sorry. What's up with uh, your dog? Yeah, I don't know. My wife took him out and he freaked the fuck out. Melissa, okay. put the shot collar on him. <laughs> I don't, dude. He's seventy pounds of pure muscle. What kind God of dog do you have? German Shepherd. Oh shit, dude. You don't. They don't fuck around. Oh my god, dude. Yeah, I mean, he's a great guard dog, but um. Oh god, yeah, and they're really you know, they're super smart. Yeah, he's very smart. But as soon as you walk out the door, if there's someone out there, dude, yeah, I mean, he just he goes nuts. He's very intimidating. He's very good in the like in our house by ourselves, but yeah, outside of that, he's uh, pretty ferocious sounding. Yapes. Um, speaking of German shepherds, how about this uh, Deshaun Watson case, dude? Well, disappointing, but also. As we've learned in America, if you can make a lot of money for someone, uh, people will help you out. You will get breaks. And Deshaun, and in sports, if you can still play, if you are still effective, and he is very good at the most important position, maybe in all of sports, um, that he they he got suspended for six games when he arguably should have got suspended for the entire year, or maybe, maybe, just maybe, shouldn't be allowed to play fucking football because he, you know, sexually assaulted, I don't know, 35 massage therapists. Um, just kind of gross stuff. Um, and Predatory stuff. Predatory, predatory stuff. stuff. And also, too, like, he didn't want to use uh, masseuses uh, by the team. He, like, solicited them like Mm -hmm. individually. And so like sought them out. Right. Um, Obviously premeditated, obviously gross. So he got suspended for six games. What is crazy to think about is when he got signed by the Cleveland Browns. So $230 million contract. And I, and I think a massive amount of that contract or a substantially large portion of that was guaranteed money, which is the signing bonus, which is the only guaranteed money you get in the NFL is your signing bonus. Mm Mm-hmm. $230 million. So amidst all of this controversy, and I don't know who did this, but whoever did this is a fucking genius. The way they structured his contract, and I might've mentioned this before on a previous pod, they gave him a salary for 2022, 2022, 23 season 
of a million dollars. Okay. Mm-hmm. So $229 million is after this season. Right. And they did that because they knew charges were going to be brought against them. And there was a good case. There was, there was a, a, good- a, a there was a really good chance, obviously, that he was going to have to pay money to these people to settle, which he's settled some, but also uh, that if he gets suspended for a certain amount of games, that is that's lost paychecks. So, because they structured his con and they knew it would happen this year because he was being there were lawsuits against him, this would never, you know, this was happening. So, because he got uh suspended this year six games that is a total of three hundred and three hundred and thirty thousand dollars that he will lose in game checks six games but again because it's what his salary this year is one million dollars so all of that 229 million dollars is completely fine and untouched so he won big in this situation they had an outside third-party judge rule on this who was a woman and she basically said, she was like, this guy, it's predatory behavior. It's terrible. But legally, I don't know. I, I really don't know the particulars of that much of the legal system. But legally, this is all we can we can really do as far as, like, you know, consequences. The which, thing is that- fucking, which is fucking crazy. Um, but it he didn't, he won in this situation. It's not even close. No repercussions. No financial repercussions because of the way they structured his contract, which is crazy. It's no. really not surprising that he got a happy ending to all this, you know? Well played. Um, the thing that really uh, grinds my gears is when you – I was listening, like I told you earlier, Kyle Brandt brought it up, and yep. a lot of the language in the statements and things like that for the reason of the Explanation for the punishment was it is nonviolent sexual assault. So that's just like, so what? Nonviolent sexual assault. That's just so like, like he was saying, like Kyle Brandt was saying, it's gross. Just so what does that mean? So now you're now it's Im- implicit uh, sexual assault. So now you're just implicating violence, which is almost worse. Because you are, you are such a like have a, a stature in the community. You are a millionaire. You are a male talking to a woman. So that's that's part of the reason why I was oh is nonviolent. That makes no sense. I get it. Like if it comes down to drugs, you're a nonviolent drug offender. But not in sexual assault. It's like just so dumb and gross that they they divide those two into like two separate categories. You know? Yeah, for for sure. Which which is also crazy too because when he stepped on the field for training camp, they were cheering him. They were like overjoyed. Yeah. And I, I don't, I like, like, I love football. I do. But if I was a fan, let's say if, let's say Aaron Rodgers didn't exist and he was the new quarterback of the Packers. Mm-hmm. I dude, I would not root for that fucking guy. I think like, it's just I, I couldn't, I couldn't. And I love football and I want my team to win more than yeah. anything. I, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. What are they going to say the fans to Cleveland, all the female fans? Like, do they just not give a shit? I just don't don't understand how they could cheer. I I was watching a stand-up comedian and he was playing in Cleveland and he's like, oh, talk about the Sean Watson. And the crowd started clapping. They were like, yeah, they don't give a shit. They don't. I, and I, then that's terrible and totally wrong. But my reasoning I think is because they I don't have get been it. So shitty for so long. They've been through how many quarterbacks in the last two decades? Over twenty quarterbacks in the last two, 20 years. Over twenty. That's so you know that's almost over a new quarterback every season. So now you get one who's actually good, and you kind of just wipe away everything that uh, that he did and that bothers you. So that's I mean I'm, that's the only rationale I can come up with is they've sucked for so long that they can look over. Nonviolent sexual assault because he's a good quarterback. God, it's brutal. I mean, I guess, but dude, it's it's so gross and it's so many and it's so obvious he's at fault. Like it's oh, just blatant. It's, it's the the evidence is overwhelming. Um, I guess just people don't give a shit. They're like, you know what? I'm busy and I want it. I want to be entertained and I want my team to be to be good. And this guy's gonna help and. There's a lot of shitty players in professional sports in the NFL, and he's just another one. And 
you know, on Sundays when I tune into the Browns, like I want the, I want them to win and he gives us the best chance to win. That can be it. But I just, you know, and we talk about this too. Like, can you separate the art from the artist? And right. I think it's no different with like comedians we like who've done unsavory things and weird stuff. Um, yeah. Weird stuff. And filmmakers, you know, filmmakers who I like, um, are gross, you know, in private or their personal life. So I guess it's no different, but uh. it, it reminds me of a uh, documentary I just watched on Netflix called The Most Hated Man on the Internet. Have you seen that? Can people keep talking about that? Is it good? Um, yeah, it has to do with, like you talked about, like the depravity of the human race. This guy, I never, I don't remember this. He created a website called areyouup.com. Um, and it was, isn't it just you up? Um, or is it, are you up like the text? You, are you awake? Are you up? I think so, something like okay. that. Basically it's a user submitted website where people can send in nude photos of ex-girlfriends. Like he was the king of like revenge porn. So you would have people send in nude photos of their exes or whatever. He'd put them up on his site and people would comment. And he was like really disgusting and just like a dirt bag on, on Twitter and stuff. I mean, ultimate douchebag do you see some of this video and he's in a club and he's like it's me hunter i'm fucking all your girlfriends and he's just like oh my god you are such just scumbag and people loved him they called him father they were like he's the best we'll do anything for him like he had like a real cult following just so weird so back to the point how that relates to deshaun watson you can be a gross disgusting person and people will still like highly you could be still highly revered among certain circles yeah, and I guess the yeah. So he's going to be suspended for six games. And but what happens if they're still not good? Yeah, I mean that's the thing. That's when they turn on you. One hundred percent, dude. Because they have like, a good reason to. Oh my god, the best he, reason to, dude. He better be. He's going to be playing his ass off, and he you know, better. If, he better win. Like he, I don't think he can lose. I don't think he can lose consecutive games. Um, they don't have much of a choice. Um, outside of your, your mic went out again. So ahead. Nope. I heard it. You're back. You're back. Yep. Who's their quarterback? Um, who they have Jacoby Brissett. That's probably, they're like, we do, we need this guy. We have Jacoby Brissett and no Baker Mayfield. Yeah. He's, he's on the Browns. Yeah. Good. Jacoby Brissett's a backup. So. Good luck with that. As long as we're staying with NFL, how do you feel about your Chicago Bears? Um, Not good. I know you said there's a lot of people. I mean, I'm not expecting anything. Um, They're going to be one of the worst teams. I think they were projected four and a half wins, so very low. I don't know if you know, but there's 17 games in a season, so very low. Not expecting much, but you know what? I'm also a born-again Eagles fan because now I live right outside of Philly. My whole fa- like my wife's family, Eagles fans. So I've started to adopt that. I've been uh, you've adopted the bat- Phillies. Why I've been the I've been baptized in uh, the all jus of the Philly cheesesteaks. So um, I got I actually had a, f- a fanatics. Fanatics reached out to me. I'm going to make a TikTok for them, and they're sending me a free jersey from Fanatics. So I picked Jason Kelsey. So I'm going to get a nice Eagles Jason Kelsey uh, jersey. So I'm very happy about that. So yeah, that's going to be the other team that I lean on uh, in the NFC least, which they actually have a decent shot at winning. So yeah, not excited for the bears. Still going to watch them every Sunday. You know, I still got all my bears gear and they're my number one team, but it's hard to watch a team when you know, it's just going to be a dumpster fire. I know, but you know, on the flip side for me, at the Green Bay Packers, which is my team, man, I know we're going to be good. Yeah. I just, I just know it because our quarterback's really, really good. And he's yeah, so- just amazing. And it it's such a, like, I'm getting excited about training cap now that he's in camp. He just did this long interview with Steve Mariucci on NFL network. And mm-hmm. he's talking about the young receivers. And I'm like, dude, like I'm ready for week one now, be, but, but because we have a, a competent front office, like mm-hmm. we know how to draft, we know how to develop because we, we can't get big time free agents. Who the hell wants to come to Green Bay, Wisconsin? And we like Peter. Do you like Lafleur? I, I do. Peter Lafleur. You do like him. Yeah, I I do. I do like I do like Lafleur a lot. Here's why I like Lafleur. Uh, 
in past, like I'll use Mike McCarthy as an example. I like my coaches kind of uptight, detail oriented. And then I like my players loose. It's a really, really good combination. It's a nice yin and yang, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like Brady is Brady is attention to detail oriented, but but that's really Belichick. Brady is very loose and he's fiery and he's emotional and he's great. What I like about LaFleur is he's very he's very smart, he's detail oriented, and he's he's buttoned up. He doesn't he doesn't let shit slide. McCarthy was fucking awful. McCarthy Well look what he's doing in a, Dallas. McCarthy right? is dumb. McCarthy does not make adjustments and McCarthy um, it, J- McCarthy isn't able to read defenses and and I feel like he's you know very personable and people like him but I don't think he's a good football coach and I think you're saying that with the Dallas Cowboys and he's not buttoned up so penalties um, dumb plays uh, missed you know missed assignments just a lot of shit that doesn't fly with Lafleur. And I'll, I'll, you know, Rogers is very laid back, and Lafleur is kind of uptight, and I've and I've that combination works really, really well, and I feel like that's why they've had so much success together. And also, you talk about adjustments, Lafleur. I hit Lafleur with this hard. We knew special teams was a problem for the for the Packers. I had been screaming it since week three. Like usually the Packers traditionally have the work, have a fucking amazing quarterback during my life, a somewhat decent defense, not always great. Uh, and a pitiful special teams with the exception of Desmond Howard in 1997 when they won the Super Bowl. but mm-hmm. talk about adjustments that LaFleur made. He fired the special teams coach after the season. He should have done it mid season, but he didn't. And he hired Rich Basaccia, the head, the interim head coach for the Raiders and made him special teams coach. And he's, we got Pat, Pat, O'Donnell, the the old punter, yeah. Hall of, uh, Pro Bowl punter for the Bears, paid him yep. a lot of money to come to Green Bay. Yeah. So Lafleur makes adjustments. He doesn't fuck around, and he we lost. Like we beat the Rams in the regular season, we would have fucking beaten them in the NFC Championship. I know it. There's no fucking way they would have won at Lambeau, but we couldn't get past the the Niners because it was it was a nightmare matchup for us, and we lost that game really because of special teams. They didn't score an offensive touchdown. Rodgers wasn't great. The offense couldn't muster a lot of points, but that's not the reason we lost that game. The reason they lost that game was because of special teams, and people want to shit on Rodgers. He's the only reason they're ever in the playoffs. I want Packer fans to understand that when you remove Rodgers, we're going to suck so bad. We are going to be the bottom of the NFC North. We're going to be dog shit. We are nothing you, without him. You guys also had no business losing that game. You had everything going for you. You had snow in Lambo playing a California team. You have absolutely no reason to lose. Like everything second, was in your second favor. worst loss. Second worst loss of my during my lifetime as a Packer fan. Number one was 2014 NFC Championship in Seattle, where we up mm-hmm. 16 nothing. We lost in overtime. That was that was that was and will be always number one worst loss. Number two was was probably that Niners game. It was it was heart it was heartbreaking. Like it was just so and I, I fucking knew it. In the third quarter I was like fucking knew it. I was like, we're fucked. I go this I go if this comes down to special teams, we're gonna fuck it up. And they blocked a field goal or blocked a punt and scored. Yeah. It was exciting game uh, if you had um the 49ers like I did. So that's that, John. Um, covered the deadline, covered some football. Uh, you got anything else for me today? That's it, man. Sorry about the Packers rant, but I'm clearly ready for oh, the season. Um, yeah. No, I, I feel like we are. touched on a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff happened. Um, should be a fun second half uh, or third or whatever. Um, yeah, man. I think I think that's, that's really about it. Um, Padres are going to be fucking lit. Yeah, I'm watching Degrom making his debut today. How's he doing? I'm, up, I'm about to go watch. Uh, they're losing one nothing. Obviously, <laughs> it's the most baseball thing. We fucking knew it, dude. When you saw, the, well, they, they talk about like they the were run minus, support. Like they were no minus three ninety to for this game. Minus three ninety favorites, and they're down. If you took them in the first five, I already looked at it because I was like, I might take Nationals. It was like plus 
245 for the Nationals to be up by the end of the fifth inning. If you would have done that, you would have cashed. Yeah. All right, John. We'll be back um, next week. Like I said, I'll be back Saturday. And, yeah, we should be good to go on Tuesday again. I like our little night time slot. It's nice. Dude, this is this is amazing. It works out well. I'm really excited to, to show the world my uh, um, my backdrop. For those of you who are wondering, yes, that is the Death Star. That's the Millennium Falcon. And right there is the... Oops. Yes, guys, John is a virgin. That's what he was about to say. He um, has never had sex because he has Legos like Death Stars and some other Wookiees. Um, his microphone is still muted, and he doesn't realize his microphone is still muted, so we can't hear. I just want to make clear that like, I, I have a son, so I did have sex once. So there is, you know, there is proof. Like, there's no right. way you can refute that. Right. All your uh, Star Wars toys are behind you. But yeah, next week. I was trying to uh, show the Batmobile from the 1989 Batman movie with Michael Keaton. The greatest Batman movie ever. We get it, John. I'm going to get a Blue Jasmine Lego next time. And I think you're going to like it. Blue Jasmine? Like Jasmine, like the the princess? No, I mean like the Woody Allen movie, Blue Jasmine, that you love so much. Oh my God. For for those of you who don't know, Pete is a huge Woody Allen fan, particularly Blue Jasmine, which you can watch on Netflix. Uh, so I was going to construct a, a Lego uh, of that movie in, in his honor because he talks about it all the time. Appreciate it. Yes. Uh, Woody you wouldn't Allen, think that from, from the way he looks. But one of John's loves, favorite. Loves Woody Allen. One of John's favorite directors, Woody Allen, along with Roman Polanski. Um, That's like when they talk about Burt Kreischer is like the fear of comedy. Yeah. <laughs> He's talking about how racist he is. Yeah. Yeah. I love, yeah. I'm a huge Deshaun Watts. Yeah. I'm not going to say this. It's right. Totally taken out of context, but yeah, we're going to yeah. chop it up right there. I literally right. was about to, I was really about to be like, I'm a fan of all those people. I'm not. I know. All right, man. Well, good. Um, getting back on this uh, episode 57. Closing up on 60. Um, we're going to have some fun stuff planned coming up here. We might rank some football teams, might do some over-under wins. Absolutely. I think that'll be a good idea as well. You know, baseball is going to kind of take a backseat here coming up soon. Once football starts, everybody's going to be hammering football shit. Nobody gives a shit about baseball as it is besides me and John. But uh, we're still going to be in it. And then obviously everyone's getting excited for football. So we'll be back next Tuesday live on these channels. Francisco Lindor just hit a home run and now it's tied one to one is that on espn it is on uh, i'm not sure i'm streaming it on the mlb.com website so it is tied one to one jacob Degrom gets one run of support in six innings great job mets john i'll see you next tuesday see you buddy hey you know what see see you next tuesday spells right now see you next tuesday yeah Take the first letter, like the letter C, U, next Tuesday. I got you. Got it. All right, boys and girls. See you later. You should do comedy. Thank you.